Welcome to the Black Experience podcast series brought to you by Ryerson Student Life and Campus Engagement. The Black Experience podcast is a three-part episode series that was created to hold space for Black students to deliberate over Black issues. So my name is Uba and my pronouns are she and her. My name is Sanyu, my pronouns are she, they. And we are your hosts for this series, and this is our last episode in, in the series. We'd like to thank everyone for joining us thus far. Uh, so we have two guests with us today. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Sure. Um, my name is Naomi Adai. Uh, my pronouns are uh, she and her. I am a second year politics and governance student at Ryerson. Perfect. Uh, Hi, my name is Iwani Busby. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm a second year creative industry student at Ryerson. Amazing. So our episode today is talking about Black excellence and all that surrounds it. And so Urban Dictionary defines Black excellence as someone that is Black and portrays great qualities and abilities that make the Black community proud. And that was from a research student, Nicholas Adelaide, I, I believe how you pronounce it. And so we're gonna start with the first topic. So Sanyu, you can introduce that. Sure. So our first topic for today is what is black excellence? So uh, I guess in your own words, can you guys uh, define what black excellence is and what it means to you? Naomi, if you could start, that'd be great. Sure. I think um, the social defini definition is exactly um, like Uba said. Um, I think to me, when I think of Black excellence, I think of us persevering uh, in spite of. Um, and I think that that takes many different forms. You don't necessarily have to be um, the president or the CEO for you to be a Black person who is, who is excellent. Um, so yeah, that's how I would define it. Awesome. Thank you. You want me? Um, I think that Black excellence is just being, just existing as a Black person in this world, holding space, taking space, being authentically yourself and standing proudly in that. I think that that's something to really celebrate. And I think that's a really excellent quality um, that we have and that we possess. So, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so in saying that, how do you each view your own blackness? Um, how do I view my own blackness? I would say that I, I first of all, I view my blackness as a gift. Uh, DeRay, the activist has a saying that says, um, I love my blackness and yours. Um, and I think that pretty much sums it up. I, I view it as a gift. I view it as uh, something I have to offer the world and um, an experience that I have to share. Exactly. Yes, I, I definitely echo what you just said, Naomi. I definitely see my Blackness as a gift as well. And I really love being Black. Like everybody in my family is Black, you know? So it's just like, I don't know, it's just <laughs> home, community, love, strength, support. That's that's a couple adjectives. Um, definitely not all of them, but just a few that I think sum up how I view Blackness for sure. And if I could add something to that, I would say that um, Blackness is also fun. Like we are like culture creators, curators. We're 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 where it's at. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. a blueprint for sure. Exactly, a blueprint for sure. So also, I want to add. Um, this is our second topic. Is that do you think excellent excellence comes at Black people's expense? So the first question I would, I would like to ask is, 
it's often said that black people must work twice as hard as others to get just equal opportunities. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Do you agree or disagree? And anybody could take that. Okay. Uh, sure, I can go first. Um, yeah, I think to a certain extent, I definitely agree um, because I think that the bar for entry is at different levels and I feel like it's especially higher for black people, especially within um, uh, probably in any industry, but from my own experience within the art industry and the creative industries, um, there's a lot of like nepotism and a lot of um, access that if you're not connected in those ways and if you don't have mentors or people that can open the door for you, it can be really hard. So in that sense, yes, you have to work two, three times harder to even start where somebody else might already, you know, have access to. So I do think that it is harder, um, but I think that that also kind of helps us and maybe gives us an advantage too, because we can draw from more practical experience where by the time we get there, we're like, we know the ins and outs and we wouldn't have had to have just relied on somebody else to get us there. So I definitely do think that the bar um, that there are barriers to access and that we do have to work harder, but I think that it has its pros and cons for sure. I agree. Yeah, are you set? Yeah, go so, ahead, go ahead. No. I was just going to add because I feel like if you're an FCAD student, being a creative industry, like I finished school doing media production, I could see several barriers of entry, especially for Black people, especially for Black women. And then if you add other intersections on top of that, like the glass ceiling is so much higher. And I feel like a lot of the things that we are forced to do in school are, are really indicative of that very early on. And you realize, oh, I can't actually do this free internship because I got bills to pay slash I can't afford to work for free for four months. You get what I'm saying? I feel like there are so many barriers. And I would like to say that that's a pro because you end up learning more about yourself and how to do the job better. But I don't think that's a pro whatsoever because... I don't like the fact that I have to work harder than other people. I wish I could work just as equally or like white men do whatever I want without any repercussions and people just hand me shit. You know what I mean? So you yeah. continue. I, I can, I can, I feel that like with, like you guys were saying with the creative industries, um, my minor is film. So that's like also something I'm uh, familiar with, but um, same thing with politics. I don't know. I don't know if people realize how, um, incredibly white politics in Canada is. I mean, the, the presentation would look like it's not, but it really is. Uh, politics at Ryerson is really, really, really white. Um, and and <laughs> as a, result, a prime minister that's doing blackface, so <laughs> diversity. The opportunities, um, they echo that. Like you said, like internships and what I do is, is a really big thing. And I see these things and it's like, there's 12 month, 24 month, 48 month internships where they're expecting you to work for free post-graduation. And I'm like, well, what does that say about, you know, uh, privilege and access and all mm -hmm. those types of things? And these are things that our government is sponsoring and those are supposed to be opportunities. And it's like, they should know better than that, I think. Mm -hmm. But um well, I didn't even know that shorty 24 months that's insane months 40. is mad <laughs> <laughs> they've, put, they've put restrictions on, on on unpaid internships now but even still even minimum wage for somebody post-graduation is a $400 a month OSAP bill at least not assuming anything else about their okay. financial situation it's still unfair to me yeah Absolutely. Um, even just going to school if you go to school you go to get a certain pay level and okay. you're not going to school to spend all your time and money just to get paid jack shit you know what i'm saying you know 
Like it's not even minimum wage because how are, are people surviving? Exactly. Mm. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> if you have to work two or three jobs, I don't think people are surviving, let mm. alone living, yeah. you know? Um, work twice as hard as others. I, so I, like I said, to echo Imani's statement, I definitely think it's true. Um, one thought that I do have on that when I hear that statement that we work twice as hard for half as much, um, one thing is I want to be sh- clear that that's in this country, right? Like we're yeah. living in a country that is... Um, First of all, surviving off of propertizing Black bodies and um, essentially we could go on and on about neo-slavery and about the ways in which um, Black people are disproportionately disenfranchised in a country that we've been in or a continent that we've been on for 500 years um, differently than other places in the world. Because I, I also think that if we if we look at that, then we would probably find different results. Um, also, yeah. I think on, on a more positive end, uh, it kind of fuels the um, entrepreneurial spirit that we can see um, in Black immigrant communities in Canada. Um, that the like not being able to make it in corporate spaces and knowing that you're working double as hard for half, of, half as much um, or not even being able to get access into them in the first place is what made so many of our parents business owners, is what made mm-hmm. so much of our community um, fed off of uh, you know, small businesses, like we, and small businesses run this province, first of all. So I think, I think if we're going to look at it in a more optimistic light, that is something that we can see. And there are barriers there too, but. Yes. No, I actually love that you brought that up, especially in regards to entrepreneurship, because I do think that by learning all these skills, it can help us support the community and open doors and start things that were definitely not existent before, but have that perspective of what they're doing and what we need and bring them together and creating something new that is really empowering and beautiful for the community. So no, I really love that. that you brought that up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's totally something I, I would love to see in the future. And it's really up to us, right? Like we're, we're gonna be that foundation that like actually builds on what, you know, the people came, that came before, before us have built, right? Mm-hmm. And on that, um, so how do you guys feel about the higher expectations placed on Black people? I was in a class on, oh, yeah, I was in a class on Friday, I'm taking a U.S. history course, and a white male mm-hmm. student in the class, we were um, reading Martin Luther King, um, oh. and he said, I was shocked when I read this because I didn't know that Martin Luther King could write so well. Direct quote, that is what he said. And I said, not Dr. King not being able to write well. That <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so so I, think, I think as as ridiculous as it sounds, like this is actually what's in people's head. Like somebody can lead an entire civil rights movement and be in history forever. And still, you don't think that they're able to write at a level that is complex enough for you. Mm-hmm undergraduate do you see what I'm saying um because of your white privilege it puts you in the position to be able to say that Mm so when I think of sometimes what we when we talk about black excellence especially when white media talks about black excellence I kind of feel like um it highlights a narrative that regular black people are underneath or like that unless you're somebody eat up to white standards you're not like you said, you're not worthy, you're not significant enough. So I think that higher expectation is problematic because it it, it kind of um, enforces that the standard is, is subpar for Black people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And like on the 
even more like I guess casual note there's this idea of like black women can't just like you know like the whole like bimbification like you know how there's white girls that are just you know they're just there to look pretty and like be and like the idea that black women can't do that black women can't just enjoy luxury and just be you know you know, catered to by rich people rich you know mm -hmm. that idea that like black women should always have to work for something in order to to get it and like i i i really like i saw something on twitter and they were like oh we should embrace black mediocrity yeah because why not right like why not we embrace white right we could if, if we can embrace white <laughs> mediocrity and like have girls that get famous off TikToks that aren't TikTok dances that aren't even theirs, then we can have Black people just being and enjoying life and just being able to enjoy what it is to be Black and whatever, whatever they want. I think that, I'm oh, sorry, I don't want to take up too much, but I'm no, going to say ahead. that on that exact point, um, I don't know if you guys know the show Selling Sunset on Netflix. Yes. I do. Yes. I love Selling Sunset, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, it is these white women, they're tall, they're blonde, they're beautiful, they sell five, six, seven, forty. $75 million houses in Los Angeles, and it's it's great TV. I really recommend. But <laughs> I saw on Twitter, they, they don't, they work, but like the show doesn't focus on them working hard. The show focuses on their rich clients wanting to take them out on dates and they're planning their wedding and they're having this party and this is what we're doing and we're going to Bali. Um, and the new, the um, executive producer of that show is producing a new show that is going to be like Selling the Sunset, but set in Atlanta. And instead of two white men, running a uh, brokerage that has that hires seven tall beautiful pretty white women right. it's a black woman owned um brokerage that has mainly black women and two black men that work under the, the black woman and i saw a lot of people um really praising this this idea and i was looking at it and i'm like hmm not this white man making a show about black women struggling to survive and needing to and even mm -hmm. if they're not struggling to survive working really hard really to survive hard. Mm -hmm. when he makes a show about white women not doing much and just literally it's okay why can't we have black bimbos that's what i'm saying like i want black I bimbos like the imagery of it especially it being made by a white man and us praising that and endorsing yeah. that i totally agree with that i feel like the the commodification of black people has just like in turn just reflected again and again and again especially in the social media age and it's kind of frustrating to like see how not only black trauma because that's a whole nother conversation but just people eating off of black people not just like not even just like um their mannerisms or like how they speak or how they they go about life but also like just piecing that off and then like appropriating it and then making it make it into their own mm. like it's so strange <laughs> but oh yeah. there is one mildly black person on selling sunset 
and she had a black man and then abandoned her and left her with the two kids, Amandala. Exactly. So there's that. There's that. And her whole storyline is her struggling to take care of her kids. Yeah, literally. No. <laughs> I'm like, when will we rest? She, she's a uh, who was it? Megan Markle, barely looking black. I didn't even know she's black until she said it, and then I saw her kids, and I'm like, oh shit, okay. And another struggle narrative. So, yikes. La- last thing on this topic, what would you each consider not to be black excellence? So, do you think there's a respectability when it comes to being black, or a certain level of standard that we each have to meet to? meet those requirements, let's say, of black excellence. And anybody could lead that. Imani, you could get that. I'm gonna let Imani go ahead. Sure. <laughs> um, personally, I don't know, I feel like it's a yes or no answer. Like, I feel like on one hand, there shouldn't be any, like, I feel like you shouldn't have to strive if you're a black person to try and meet a hypothetical level of black excellence like I I really do truly believe that just by being yourself you're already you're already setting the you know you're already there um and I definitely believe that maybe it's more of a personal thing like if you believe in your soul that you can be doing better to reach your own personal goals and if you're striving for that then I think yeah that's pretty excellent but I think that if you feel you're already there if you don't you know, like if that, if where you are right now is good for you, then I think that that's pretty excellent too. Cause I think it takes a lot to even recognize that like, oh no, we live in a capitalistic society. I don't always have to be on the go. I don't always have to be working. So I think even to wake up to realizations like that and find self-fulfillment, I think that's excellence. Or again, like if you want it, you know, if you're very ambitious and if that's your thing, that's, you know, black excellence too. I really don't think it can be defined by like one or two or four people as to what it is and what it is not because I think it's an expansive undefined term that I think every black person fulfills just by birth rate um so yeah interesting totally agree I ask that because I mildly agree I don't fully agree with that statement I feel like we should command everybody who is black and that it's great for you to be achieving things but I don't think that everyone in our community or anybody in any community is excellent. You get what I'm saying? And I'm not gonna praise people just because they're black off of being mediocre or negative to the community. Do you get what I'm saying? Maybe that's slightly problematic, but that's just how I feel. No, yeah, I definitely understand. And I feel like on a, to a certain degree, I agree as well. Like personally on Instagram, I don't like following people that are doing things that kind of I don't know, kind of degrade the community just for their own personal clout. I personally do yeah. not support that. Um, but yeah, no, like I think there's definitely a lot of different lenses that you can look at, like what it means to be excellent and black excellence for sure. Okay. Naomi? Oh, no, I was just going to say that I agree. I think that um, there's something to be said about um, being black and being able to survive in, mm-hmm. in right now. Um, so I don't know if, I don't know if excellence is the word for that but I I do think there's something to be said um for that um yeah I I think the main issue I take with the term black excellence is that it it is the only term like it we don't see other races describing people doing good things as we don't see Asian excellence or white excellence or do you, do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I think that the, the the connotation that goes with it can kind of be problematic sometimes. Um, that's all. 
Yeah, I know. Totally I'm, I'm really happy you brought that up. I definitely agree for sure, for sure. Yeah, I think that um, it also goes to show the like expectations that are put on Black people, right? Mm-hmm. Like that we have their, our own, it's like we have our own standards specifically for our community mm-hmm. that other people kind of put on us as well it's not just within the community that we have to be excellent but mm-hmm. it's also the pressure from outside the community that we're getting mm-hmm. to be excellent which sucks but I mean that's how it is so far hopefully I don't know we can change it but um uh so we often hear phrases online like our ancestors wildest dreams um how do you feel about those kind of statements and um do you feel like they're problematic or positive um i think the statement are uh, i am my ancestors wildest dreams is a powerful one and i think it can be a, a truthful one and a, and a positive one because in many senses we would be our ancestors wildest dreams right from you know in many senses however um, I don't like when it's used as a term to kind of um, say that like we've arrived because we haven't yet. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I think that's when it can get a little bit problematic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think it can be a really empowering term for all the things that you said. Um, but I also think that like statements like that, it's like it's good to look at them kind of critically because realistically, like depending how far back you consider our ancestors to be. Like, I don't think that they would have wanted us to have gone through like the transatlantic slave trade and to be where we are right now and be experiencing everything in society that we're experiencing. So I think that like in that sense, um, like maybe I disagree with it in that sense because I think realistically, they probably would have wanted us to just build on the excellence and the societies and the technologies, African indigenous, things that they've our cultures and traditions that they already created but no I think that when it's used in this sense in terms of like overcoming and you know look at where we are right now I think that that could be really empowering too for sure sure for sure I feel like in school especially if there's a lot of people who are first generations getting a post-secondary education we are our ancestors wildest dreams but I feel like with statements like that it always brings added pressure because it's like, oh, I have to be successful. I have to succeed. I have to put on for all these other people, my family, et cetera, et cetera, that I feel like a lot of people don't have to do. And I feel like we're the only ones that have to have that added pressure or community engagement, family involvement, all these other things that in a lot of ways could potentially hinder us. I feel like there's a lot of benefits, but also a lot of hindrances where it's like, I just can't do what I want to do. I have to think of other people. I have like other family members in mind and I don't even have kids, but it's kind of like I have kids. You get what I'm saying? And I feel like that's quite annoying. Um, the responsibility. Yeah. Responsibility. Even like, yeah, even like first generation, like I don't have the burden of having to like send money back home, let's say, but my parents came from that generation where there's people who live in Africa or East Africa and they mm-hmm. have to send money back home because they're the ones that were able to come here kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And luckily I don't have to subscribe to that. Uh, but the last question I think we should ask, cause we're running out of time. Mm-hmm. do you find that being underrepresented so I guess feeding off of what we were speaking about before being underrepresented in spaces creates more added pressure or do you think that being tokenized at times can be beneficial 
that you can speak on behalf of a community if you feel like you are the right person to do so. So Naomi, you could, you could start. Okay, sure. Um, I think this question kind of speaks to the idea of like the exceptional Negro. I don't know if you, mm. that, you know. Yeah. We, I guess it kind of goes to, to goes to what we what we've been talking about this entire time. Um, part of the reason why we put so much value and so much pressure on um, why we put so much value and so much pressure on being excellent as a black person or doing this or doing that is because we're trying to meet a white standard, um, a white standard of comfortability. Um, we make other people feel comfortable by um, conforming and thriving in spaces that weren't made for us, right? So sometimes what happens with the token is that that person is kind of like idealized and the re and it's not because of who they are or their skill, it's because they've gained proximity to whiteness and now those white people feel like, oh yeah, I'm not a racist, I have a black friend and he's a great engineer, it's like, okay. <laughs> Um, a great movie on this, it's something I'd highly, highly, highly recommend. Um, Calvin Harrison Jr. stars in this movie called Loose, all about tokenism on Amazon Prime. It is excellent, okay. complex, but I highly recommend because it kind of talks to that idea about um, being the, the one Black person that is um, idealized in, in, in certain spaces mm -hmm. and being the only one that's let in or accepted and how that can actually wear on your mentality as a black person and on your 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 performance right i'll, I'll have sure. to check that out yeah that sounds like such a good movie no i agree with everything that she said i think that being tokenized is not great um like to experience it or to have somebody else be tokenized, especially if that person is in a position of power, because that can often lead to a lot of disconnect from the community and a lot of um, kind of disillusionment with what's really going on. So I think that having a tokenized person in a position of power is like is dangerous, but I think that it's good, you know, if they're willing to open doors and listen and help bring people in. But I think to just be tokenized and to not have another person there to support you, to bounce ideas off, to, you know, say, okay, maybe like you don't speak for everybody. So maybe there's another way of looking at this or another way that we can go about it. I think that that's pretty dangerous and probably detrimental at the end of the day, if it's just like you and you're, you see yourself as the voice of the community, but. Um, oh. Sorry, I don't know if you could hear my scary, it just turned <laughs> off, but. Um, yeah, no, no, yeah, I, I really agree with everything Naomi said though. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that's negative? That let's say you get into those positions of power, the fact that you have to put people on? Because, you know, I feel like we spoke about this before where other people don't have to do that. If I was in that position, I would just because I understand the importance, but I don't think everybody does, especially if you are somebody who is tokenized and you don't want to be somebody who is stereotypically Black and only put certain people on. Mm -hmm. so I Naomi, agree. I think I was just going to say Dr. Cornell West. <laughs> Dr. Cornell West has a quote um, and he says, black faces in high places doesn't like 
break the system, right? Like I don't remember, yeah. how, I'm paraphrasing, but having black faces in high places doesn't stop us from um, experiencing the issues that we experience, right? Mm -hmm. People, what often happens is white people see those things and they're like, okay, but the police chief is a black man, but the president was a black man, but the, this mm -hmm. is a black man, okay? That is a black face in a white system, so so what? Mm -hmm. right? So I do think that there's a, <laughs> there is a system there that, that makes it difficult um, for people to do that. Um, it's, it's not just individual people needing to be in places to hire other Black people. It's the entire structuring of the system was not made to be mm -hmm. there. So mm -hmm. we dismantle it or we don't infiltrate it is how I see it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Period. Preach. No seat at the table. <laughs> Burn it down. Burn it oh, down. Period. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. Thank you so much, guys. This was great. Guys. Um, so... Thank you to um, our listeners for listening to our final episode in this three-part series. Um, Imani, Naomi, thank you so much for speaking with us and talking about what Black excellence means to you guys and um, to our community. Um, I just want to thank everyone who's listening again, uh, listening to I, for listening to this series and what it means to be Black from many face, um, facets, sorry, of life and intersections. So um, I'm Samuel and- And um, I'm Uva, <laughs> jeez. <laughs> and that was the Black Experience Podcast brought to you by Ryerson Student Life and Campus Engagement. Thank you so much. Thanks. Yay. Thank you. <laughs>